This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential and welcome back journalist, host of the podcast Writers on Film and author of the upcoming book on Terrence Malick and my Venice buddy, John Bleasdale. Ciao amici! (laughs) (laughs) Ciao Christina, (laughs) lovely to be here. So glad to see you. I'm so excited. You have to tell me a little bit about this Malick book. Okay, so the Malick book is going to be the first um, biography of Terence Malick, which is a bit of a quixotic task because everybody knows that Malick does not like talking to um, reporters or journalists or writers, and uh, well, just doesn't. He hasn't. His last interview was 1979 with the release of Days of Heaven and was in French, published in Le Monde. Uh, so it's a little bit of a quixotic task. It's a little bit of a, a of a challenge. You're the man for it, John. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm really excited about it, and I'm kind of about halfway through my first draft, which is uh, which is really good. So um, wow. yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting this out, and hopefully it will be out, um, you know, uh, about the same time as his film, his new film, Way of the Wind, his uh, uh, sort of biblical Jesus story, which uh, which which also looks like a lot of well, I was going to say a lot of fun. Look, looks amazing. Fun may not be the operative word. <laughs> uh, who knows? Who knows? Who's in that one? I don't. I haven't heard much about it. The actor whose name I I haven't got on is a Hungarian actor. He was in um, the Son of Saul uh, and um, Mark Rylance. The BFG himself is playing Satan. I think. Oh wow! So, yeah, it's a really interesting uh, concept and sort of method acting. Well, who knows? <laughs> but um, it's uh, it's interesting in the sense that it's kind of like. Malik has always been a religious filmmaker, I think, and it's always sort of bubbled under the surface and people are sort of not sure whether is he really very, very religious or is he sceptical and he's just at awe at the wonder of the universe. Um, and he has, so there's gonna, this is going to be his sort of most overtly religious movie, I think. So um, it's, it's, it, it looks like it could be very interesting. Well, so we're looking forward to that. But now we're going to talk about Venice. As you all may yes. remember, last year we did a really fun thing, John and I. Um, we did this before the Venice Film Festival, talked about what we're anticipating and our reactions to the lineup. And then we did a show from there where we sort of reviewed what we'd seen and reactions to the fest. And so we're thinking that we're going to do that again. So I'm so happy to have you here. So yesterday... Festival Chief Alberto Barbera announced the lineup for the 79th annual Venice Film Festival, and they are not messing around. (laughs) It's an awesome lineup this year. Uh, World-class, star-studded. I'd say Barbera is the Oscar kingmaker of the awards season recently, I have to say. What, What are your first reactions? I I totally agree with you. They they, they definitely they didn't they didn't come to play. They came, they came <laughs> with very serious intentions. Um, I mean, through the years, I've uh, yeah, I remember years ago, I used to sort of hang on the day that they released the announce. They, they gave the announcement, released the the lineup, and I would be there refreshing my screen and watching as each uh, was announced. 
In the last few years, I've been much less um, sort of engaged in that way. I've been sort of like the announcements lined, you know, that I see, oh, it's today and it's already afternoon and I just click on whoever's written a feature about it and see what the lineup is. So weirdly, I don't know why I, that sort of, I haven't, I'm, I'm not quite on the edge of my seat as I used to be. But when I did look at this, it was just like, oh my God, I mean, there's just so much talent here. And the, the, other, the other thing I'd say is, it feels like a real generational shift. It feels like there are not like five or it's a little bit, you know, how Can has those four or five names that come out every single year and you're sort of like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, we've got another. It feels like these, these are names which are not, they're not necessarily super young, but they're filmmakers in their prime um, and they're, um, but they're not the same old names, you know, they, they, they feel, it feels, uh, it still feels fresh, like established, but fresh, you know, if that's not a, a, con a contradiction. Absolutely. But it's also Netflix heavy, a three in competition, right? Or is it four? Are Netflix among them Blonde and the opening uh, White Noise, Noah Baumbach's uh, Don DeLillo adaptation. And Barbara really talked about Netflix as being the auteur kings. Feels like a little bit of a dig at Cannes. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I'm sure he's absolutely uh, delighted at the Can policy. I mean, Can is very is very much tied up with the French Cinema Association, the projectionists, and the the uh, the actual theatre owners. You know, so they always have to keep an eye out on that. And Venice has no such concerns, and is and is 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 frankly pleased to. Uh, you know, the last few years they they've been the preferred home because um, you know, frankly, in Europe there are two festivals, Cannes and Venice. So if you don't go to Cannes, then the, then the bit next biggest one is or equally big one by now, I think, is Venice. Oh, so yeah. yeah, no, absolutely, they're delighted. They're absolutely delighted. Um, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. I think that Netflix are um... no. As, as long as Netflix can keep up this pace of auteur-driven movies, which, considering what we've been reading about their problems, so hopefully they can. But I mean, look, nothing lasts forever. So you've got to enjoy the peaks when they're when they're at their peak, and, and just just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, and, we just uh... got out of COVID, so it seems like yeah. I mean, just the fact that there are these great movies this year seems like some sort of miracle. <laughs> Well, I mean, a lot of people have had a lot of time to be working on scripts and a lot of mm -hmm. people have had a lot of time to put together packages and schedules have been cleared. And and so, yeah, I think there ha I think there is a post a sort of post covid bump that that, that has been uh, been given to, to some of these productions. Well, let's get into the mm. competition section that we heard of yesterday. And I have a few movies I want to take up with you. One that I've been waiting for for a long time. I think that like it was two years ago on my TV segment already, I was talking about the Renaissance, um, Brendan Fraser's comeback. And that was in The Whale. One of the movies he's coming back with is The Whale, Darren Aronofsky's upcoming psychological drama. It's based on a play by Samuel Hunter and is about a 600 pound man trying to reconnect with his daughter. What do you think of Aronofsky's comeback with this? Uh, I'm really excited to see Brendan Fraser sort of doing some acting. And, and you know, he's, he's had a personal, you know, there have been some interviews that have come out and, and that have made uh, a lot of, rightly made a lot of noise because um, I think he's a much loved figure. You know, mm -hmm. he was great in Gods and Monsters. He was wonderful in The Mummy. 
series and um you know it feels horrible that part of the reason he went away was was you know uh, partly due, due to abuse um and so it's it's wonderful to see him back and and Darren Aronofsky is just one of those directors who never makes a boring film you know if mm-hmm. you, you can hate his movies and many many people do they're very divisive but I much prefer a director like that than somebody who everybody just agrees is okay you know and I, I loved Mother I thought Mother was amazing. Was that his last film, Mother? It was his last film, yeah, which I yeah, didn't that like. That seems like but years I, ago. Yes, it was. It seems like years ago. I did not like Mother, but I completely agree with you But that I like the fact that I did not like Mother because he takes so many risky choices. Yeah, absolutely. From pie onwards, he's, he's never been someone who's been courting popular uh, acclaim or... or, or trying to get in with the consensus and so I, i'm really looking forward to see what he does and he's really good at character studies and this what this sounds very much like a character and he's very good at working with actors you know again you know mickey rock the wrestler everybody thought that that was a, a raw raw renaissance and <laughs> mickey race and so <laughs> I thought everyone saw that as a big comeback and of course well, it really Rourke wasn't I, mean, <laughs> I thought um but it, you know that that didn't really come about i mean i know he was in iron man 2 i think mm. and he you know he picked up some some additional cash but um it sort of quickly became apparent that that film you know with aronofsky had been really modeled around rourke and had platformed him and and framed him in such a way as to as to really bring out the best in him and the other directors and other projects weren't willing to do that and they uh and yeah subsequently his career sort of went went back to more or less where it was which is video on demand um and just if the listeners are wondering that you were alluding to what brendan fraser has talked about is that he's the victim of sexual abuse as an adult during an an incident Mm. that he I think it was at a party or something, but he he did some very, very important and interesting articles and interviews about this at one point, which I think helped a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And and to sort of broaden the the sort of debate about Me Too and and how it's it's not... um... It, well, how it has a wide stretch, and I mean, uh, yeah, and I and I and I think that Brendan Fraser, as you know, I I don't think that he. I, I think this could be the beginning of something uh, of a, a sort of second or third act in his career. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, I I think Mickey Rourke, for instance, had lots of his own problems, which were nothing to do with his acting necessarily, that mm-hmm. that didn't allow him to take advantage of what he got from the wrestler. Whereas I think Brendan Fraser may be, you know, maybe on a different trajectory. So we were talking about Netflix. They have two movies based on books which at certain points seemed unfilmable and both of us both of them are coming now. One is what I mentioned before, Noah Baumbach's White Noise based on Don DeLillo's novel. It's starring Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig. I'm really looking forward to this. How do you think this will make it on screen? I'm a huge fan of Don DeLillo and I love his uh I love um, Underworld, uh, his sort of magnus opus, and White Noise was is brilliant. I think he also wrote the best sort of JFK novel, Libra, which is all mm-hmm. about Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, it it is a sort of strange novel to to adapt, and I think Cosmopolis by David Cronenberg, which was also an adaptation of a Don DeLillo, I didn't find it particularly successful. I thought it was very talky and very it didn't quite manage to m- win the argument that it should be a film. But when you look at the talent, 
Adam Driver's in this, and you look at how he's worked in the past with Baumbach on the marriage uh, marriage story, which I thought was amazing. Um, I'm really excited. I think this di- this is a director who who can pull things together that don't seem particularly filmic and make them very very cinematic. I, I'm really I'm really excited about this. And in terms of the theme, the sort of cataclysmic event, it seems like it could be very very in the now. And yeah, Delilo's a prescient author. He's someone who I mean, he wrote this I think in the 80s. I think this is uh, or maybe early 90s, but. Um, he he he's he was one of those postmodernists that people scoffed at. You know, I mean, his main character is a, a an academic at a university teaching hit, Hitler studies, and you sort of think, okay, what's the, you know that seems a bit exaggerated and everything. But nowadays, as we look around the world, you know, fascism is on the rise again, exactly. and like this sort of idea is 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 very pertinent. You know, maybe more so now than it was uh, when the book was originally written. And the other book is Joyce Carol Oates' Blonde, which I've talked also a lot about waiting for this to come, by another director who doesn't make a lot of movies, Andrew Dominic, who takes his time between them. The other one coming up is Todd Field in the movie we'll talk about next. But uh, this is the Ana de Armas as Marilyn Monroe. We have also an incredible cast. Um, Adrian Brody plays the author. I don't think they're titled as Joe DiMaggio and Arthur Miller. I think they have those, at least the book has. We'll see what happens in the film. So I'm looking forward to this. Do you have hopes for Anna Darmas as Marilyn? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a combination made in heaven. I mean, um, the book is, is, is brilliant. If you haven't read it, it's a it's Oh, a it's my favorite uh, book. <laughs> I was going to say, I yes. know you've read it. Oh, it's it's a masterpiece. It's an absolute masterpiece. It's a really, um, it's it, you really go inside the head of Marilyn Monroe. It, it's so famous the story, and you already know the story that you, she doesn't need to be explicit in no. terms of who people are and things. You you get it. This is Joe DiMaggio, but he's only the baseball player. And, but and Andrew Dominic is amazing. I mean, um, um, oh, his the assassination of Jesse movies. James. The Tunic Cave movies are so moving, and I love. Um, uh, I saw Nick Cave recently at Verona, and that was a, a wonderful experience. Oh, wow. um, but uh, yeah, he's 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 just superb, and he's um, you know from Chopper and uh, Killing Them Softly. I think all of his films are, are absolute. You know, you're right. He makes very few, and there's lots of space in between. But every time he makes them, they're masterpieces. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I the, there's not a single one that I think is is even minor. I mean. Uh, Killing Them Softly was sort of Brad Pitt's worst performing movie, but it's it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Now, the only the only sort of um, question mark I had, and I'm going to look like an idiot when it, when we talk in Venice and we've already seen this, was <laughs> Ana de Armas because just in my head she doesn't quite match Marilyn Monroe. I always think of Ma- Marilyn Monroe as a sort of um, in terms of body shape and everything as a, a not even body shape but but sort of as a big person you know as mm-hmm. a big personality as a um and Anna Damas, you know always strikes me as as she's sort of still in the kind of girlish category you know but she's i still think that that's the brilliance potentially petite, because i know. think she's cast as norma jean because i right, think the the right. book the the essence of the book is that marilyn monroe is a construct of that mm. we that mm. women I mean, she has to, that's what the teaser you can see that's out already, is that she has to put this on, this mm. 
constant. Yeah, no, I'm, that I'm is absolutely sure I'm and, wrong. And, and, and I I'm think that, sure that Anna, they, what they've done with Anna Darmus is found someone with that sort of childhood innocence and those be, and, and that, then they put that construct on. Then if she's able to carry that, that's going to be really interesting to see. But I think that the point is that she's not supposed to be Marilyn to begin with, because no one is. I mean, Marilyn wasn't right, Marilyn. Right, <laughs> right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm absolutely ready and willing to be proven wrong about that. And I mean, God, I didn't want Daniel Craig to be James Bond. I, you know, there were so many things. <laughs> I didn't want Twin Peaks to come back. I thought, oh, no, don't go back there. And I'm, all, uh, you know, I'm always wrong. I'm always wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to be wrong. Another female performer who's going to take Oscar season could potentially be Kate Blanchett in Todd Field's Tar, where she plays a world-renowned musician, a conductor, I believe. I don't know much about this movie, but she's recording a symphony. Todd Field, this is his first feature in 15 years, so he's also coming back. And I mean, with her in the lead in this theme, what can go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's based on a true story, this as well. I think this is a, a like Lydia the first, yeah, woman to, to conduct a major symphony orchestra and major national symphony orchestra and the music is by the um brilliant composer Hildur Chernobyl was wonderful I, I loved her music for Joker I know everybody sort of like dumped on that film for a long time afterwards but I thought her music was stunning um and and yeah yeah she, i think this is uh, this has all yeah and kate blanchett is one of the best actresses we have so yeah what this is this, this is great i mean the, the funny thing you say about the 15 years and andrew dominic hasn't made a film since i mean if i mean i think the nick cave documentaries i sort of see more as a side project rather than a mm -hmm. motion picture yes, as yes. such even though I, I think i saw them both at the cinema but anyway um so uh, this thing about the 15 year gap and everything and researching Malik, this this has a, a a certain resonance. Is that's just not that unusual, you know? Mm. When when films are so difficult to put together and so difficult to get everybody to agree and so difficult to get the financing, having a, a ten year, five, ten, fifteen year break, or or when people say, oh, he was working on silence for twenty years before it came out, it's just not that it's not that strange. Things take time and. Uh, I see it as he tried to get several things uh, financed and, and they fell through. And so this is just a, the sort of a third or fourth thing which he's managed to get over the line. I don't think yes, it's a case of... Yes, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I don't think it's the case. I mean, and there was a brilliant... Um, somebody mentioned, I think it might have been on Twitter, I'm not sure if it's an article or something, but you know, Kelly Reichardt has to, has to teach full-time. I mean, she's, mm -hmm. she, she has a day job and she's one of the yes, major, most... she's a, a major independent, but most directors do because mm -hmm. they're directing a movie doesn't actually pay you that much money unless you're, you and know, screenwriters or whatever. I... Absolutely. Scre screenwriters can, can, can have an entire career and can actually make money and never, never see their name on screen. You know, because mm -hmm. they just they just constantly either rewrite stuff or they uh, work on projects which never see the light of day. So, so I'm not. I mean, when I hear that Todd Field has been, a, it's not like he's been sitting in a in, in a sort of Buddhist monastery with his legs crossed, thinking of the next film he's going to do, and this is it. You know, like Rambo in Rambo Two. He's um, he's he's uh, he's struggling to get Todd Field as Rambo. I'll never get that out of my head now. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I know it's my go-to, my go-to reference point. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I love. Um, well, in the bedroom, it's. I mean, it's it's, it's a tough film, but mm. I uh, I really thought it was great. And uh, and yeah, little children. So, Tar. Yeah, it's 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 good, to, and it's great for him to be at a big major festival. You know, mm-hmm. and to have this. I mean, that's the other thing about talking about Netflix. I know this one isn't Netflix, but. Um, I think what festivals do now is if films are otherwise just going to drop onto a streaming service, at least a festival gives them the experience of being in a big theatre with a lot of people and creating a lot of buzz. Right. Because otherwise, you know, films just come and go. Films just drop on and, and uh, the service and it's like, oh, is this already there? I mean, the new Russell Crowe is on Prime, for instance. And, you know, I would go to the cinema to watch a Russell Crowe movie because I like him as an actor. But I haven't even clicked on it yet because it's it I, I didn't even know it was going to be there yeah it's they're, they're a great shop window they're absolutely uh, uh and, and as you said earlier in your intro you know in terms of the the oscars they're a, they're an absolute launching pad so uh, one director that just in my consciousness feels like he is working all the time that's luca guadagnino well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. Who is here with Bones and All, an incredible cast. Um, Timothy Chalamet, Chloe Seveny, Mark Rylance, um, who you were mentioning before. This is called A Cannibal Love Story. I don't know this i think it's a book are you familiar mm, with yeah. yeah i'm not no I'm not, i don't know about the background material um but it's uh yeah it's the, the big surprise is no army hammer well, what's going on there <laughs> <laughs> they drop they drop the ball with a, yes with a... <laughs> but it is weird guadagnino could have just made that call and it would have been a huge irony with the cannibal <laughs> yeah, absolutely um, but I guess the metaphor is sort of disenfranchised young people uh, in love on the margins. Um, it sounds really interesting. Would have been yeah, better I'm, with I'm, Yeah, now I've mentioned it, you won't ever be able to unwatch. The... Yes. <laughs> um, Guadagnino is, is another of those directors, a little bit like Aronofsky, who makes films that you can, you can love or hate. You know, I loved Cole, like everybody else, I loved uh, Call Me By Your Name, and I loved The Big Splash, his other English language movie. Didn't like I Am Love so much, and I didn't like uh, Suspiria that much. I mean, I was I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was bad, but I haven't um, seen I Am Love. I Am Love is is okay, but it's one of those stories that that depends on a little bit of bad luck. Okay. Um, uh, you know what I mean? When something yeah. happens, someone falls and hits their head on something, and you're like, 
Okay, that's what you do. That's what you do when you don't have a story. You just right, get, right, have someone right. fall over and hit their head. So, um, so yeah, it's it's not great, but it's also uh, got uh, what do you call her, isn't it? Uh, Tilda Swinton. So she's she's has a great role in it. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this. I think this is this this has the talent there, and I'm you know it's an as you say it's an intriguing premise. It's intriguing to see where it goes with it, um, and you know yeah, it's a, it it seems. To, and he's he's a sort of welcome sight, as you say. He's sort of quite prolific, and he's a welcome sight to, to see back in Venice. I mean, he was back. Was it last year? He yes. had a sort of COVID documentary, which is like a genre that we should do this thing that the that sometimes happens where we invite all the directors. Quick, give us your COVID documentaries. Give us your yes. and, and they pile them up and then they bury them in a flipping hole for a, for twenty. <laughs> we don't want to watch them. You made them. We don't want to watch them. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, he's got a, a pretty good track record. Netflix also has Alejandro Iñárritu's Bardo, which sounds really interesting. A epic comedy. A Mexican journalist and filmmaker returns home and has an existential crisis. I think that sounds great. And I am a big fan of Iñárritu. Yeah, he, and he always has these wonderful titles, doesn't he? False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Wasn't Birdman had a, a subtitle? Um, yeah, no, I mean, this is, this is, uh, you know, I, I mean, a little bit like, uh, Alfonso Cuaron and his, uh, you know, they, they seem to like Netflix and they seem to like Venice and, uh, it's, it's, he's an exciting director. He's a great director. He's one of those, I mean, it's, it, this is like the whole list It's you go down the list and the, you're going, Oh, I like so-and-so. Oh, this yeah. one's good. You know, and I, you don't necessarily like all their films, but the the possibility is definitely there that they that they will that this could be a, a bumper year in terms of, of this stuff. Um, right. Yeah. Are I you mean, pro or con Birdman? Oh, I, I really like Birdman. Yay. I, I, I love Birdman, but there's so many people that hate it, and I can't. That I don't understand that. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that because he has a sort of Goddard-like uh, opening, which uh, I think it's like from Weekend, the, the titles come up in a very Goddardian way. And I think there's a, a lot of this uh, critical, the, cr what, what you, the critical mass of people, of critics, who, who look at that and there are definitely some who just, how very dare you? Okay, we're, we're going to take you to task for it. And it's kind of like a... You know, it's a no-win situation. If you try to be intellectual and you try to be, you, you know, to, to do something different and, you know, with an appeal to the legacy of people who used to do that, like Goddard, who's still doing it to some extent, then you're pretentious and you're going to be taken to task for it. And then uh, otherwise, and, and on the other hand, people are complaining about how cinema is becoming infantile and dumbed down and it's just Marvel comic movies. No, I, I think... Uh, those kind. I mean, people could come back and say, "No, I hated it for totally different reasons," and and they might be right. But I thought there was so much there to enjoy the performances, the 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 you know the virtuosity of the camera work. It looked beautiful. The imagination. It always went in directions I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. And it had a marching band and Michael Keaton walking around in his uh, you know tidy whitey so <laughs> it was amazing yeah absolutely amazing and it was kind of it's like cinema it's like proper adult cinema where you have to think about stuff um and maybe a little bit pretentious but who gives some monkeys it, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah it can be pretentious i don't mind i'm pretentious so i'm quite happy for that to be 
A couple other ones, just to mention Florian sure. Zeller, who made The Father, he's back with The Son. Hugh Jackman, Laura Dern. The Martin McDonough with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson in The Banshees of Inisherin. In the Banshees of Inisherin. My Irish is... Yes. My mum would know. You should know this. Irish, yeah. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, I just saw a publicity still for the Banshees and it had uh, Gleeson and Farrell and a pint of Guinness in between them and that green hills behind them. I thought, can you get a more Irish picture than that? And I can't wait for that. I love those two. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Joanna Hogg with The Eternal Daughter, I'm very much looking forward to. And what about, there's quite a few Italian films. There, maybe you have more expertise than I do and can talk about what you see in his picks there. Well, I'll tell you the truth. Um, I always think it's the same a little bit in Cannes. I try, I, I always have low expectations of the French films in Cannes, and I always have low expectations of the Italian films in Venice. You know, the best Italian films are usually shown in Cannes, and similarly for, for the French films in, in Venice. I There's always just a little bit of a feeling of, uh, what would you say, sort of, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of, of these directors, but at the same time, then you get something that comes out and it completely surprises you. So I'll go in with as open a mind as I can. But no, then they're the directors that when the list comes out, I kind of skip over the mm -hmm. <laughs> I skip over their um, things. And so, I mean, you know, some of the uh, in the past I, that there have been some dreadful italian entries so um i'm happy to be surprised and hope hopefully we'll be surprised but uh yeah but i think monica more... sounds really interesting andrea palaoro palaoro okay he made hannah which was um actually that was a good film so there's there's somebody who was mm -hmm. that had um charlotte rampling as the wife of someone who is accused of a, a crime uh, it's very elliptical you don't quite you have to sort of work out for for yourself and it's just a character portrait and it, it was amazing that's that's a really um uh and and okay apparently monica is the um it, it's going to be it's part of a trilogy because there was another film exactly. called Medeus. So there are these uh, three films which are all centered around the female, strong female uh, um, characters, uh, leads. And uh, yeah, no, no, so there you go. I'm already eating my words. That's brilliant. Yum, yum. There was some trivia on Twitter, which I don't know how much you want to take Twitter for its word, but his name was Cedric Succivali. He wrote that out of the five Italian directors in Venice competition, Amelio, Crialese, Guananino, Nicchiarelli, and Palaoro, there's not a single straight male. For a country that is often criticized for chauvinism, that's quite something. End quote. Yeah, he, he actually um, uh, corrected that because he he discovered or he was informed that one of the men is actually straight but i can't remember which one <laughs> maybe andrea i'm not sure but it, but the point remains it is mm -hmm. it is a i mean it's it's interesting because i i wonder if we went back um in history and we looked at the oscars if that might have at some point been repeated with the oscars in the sense that um you know people weren't necessarily out um 
and you know there are lots of gay actors and lots of gay or bisexual um, non-straight actors and non-straight directors. I wonder if that 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 ever happened. Like in you know if there was a a, a year that Lawrence Olivier and Marlon Brando and Rock Hudson all were all nominated for Oscars. I mean it, it could have happened. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that that's something which isn't necessarily. Um, you know, we we sometimes concentrate on, and I mean, we, rightly so. I don't and I don't mean any disrespect by this that we concentrate on diversity in terms of women, mm-hmm. and in terms of uh, parity, and that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely valid. But um, you know, there are other forms of diversity, such as class and 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 race and sexuality, and you know. Hopefully, we're coming to a point where where these questions will no longer be at the forefront of our minds because it will just be like you know, and and you know, the thing about there being I think there are five women in competition this year, mm-hmm. and there were five women in competition last year, so it's not like there's been a, an improvement. Huge but change. No, but at the same time, one thing I have noticed is that those women who are in competition are women who have now got real careers in the sense that they've now made four or five films of uh, and they're and they're established and and there's less of that excuse that Barbera used to make in the past that we're not going to fill quotas we're not going to have a quota system well you don't I mean Susanna again eating my words Susanna Nicchiarelli made uh, has made a bunch of great films she was uh two years ago with miss marx is was great nico 1988 was great she did cosmonaut uh, uh about eight or nine years before that um so this isn't someone who you think oh you know this is someone just to make up the numbers she's got us and you know joanna hogg is one of the the most oh my God, uh, yes. accomplished directors um currently working uh so so i think although you might think oh well the numbers are still the same and they could be better the the quality is very very self-evident you know the quality is no longer that's no longer an argument there's no longer an idea of like oh they've just got in, in fact it's the other way around this one why isn't all of olivia wilde in the competition as well or you know something like that before we leave the competition, I wanted to mention Jafar Panahi, who's also in competition with Kiers Nist. I'm hoping I'm not botching every single thing here, but the, who, the Iranian dissident um, director who recently was sentenced to prison. Um, that's very interesting that he's here and, and what that will hopefully do for him. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point, and it was one I was going to bring up definitely as as one of the again another exciting sort of um, inclusion because he's a great film director and he deserves to be on an uh, in, in international film festival and has yeah. been for many years. But I think it's also a brilliant thing that the uh, festival is doing in in um, giving his film the platform because obviously he's in prison, he can't be here and. That sort of visibility is extremely, extremely important. And, uh, you know, uh, I think there was a similar, well, I mean, it was a different situation, but in Cannes when they showed Mariopolis 2 um, by the uh, Lithuanian uh, filmmaker who, who sadly died in, in the war, in the Ukraine war, 
it also shows that uh, film festivals have a social function as well as an artistic one, and they mm-hmm. need to do this. They need to, to stand up and be counted in, uh, in a time like ours. Um, and so I'm really pleased to see Jafar Panahi is in the is in the competition and uh he thoroughly deserves to be mm-hmm. and he hopefully he's you know there will be lots of news stories and there will be lots of noise and hopefully that pressure in some way will make the Iranian authorities think again and as you mentioned there's several especially in the non-fiction out of competition but Ukrainian um, documentaries and 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 they're certainly um, shining a spotlight there as well one other one I'd like to mention, which I think is going to be a big deal in terms of star <laughs> star voltage, uh, is Harry Styles coming in on that gondola. <laughs> you just see him and <laughs> Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry Darling starring Harry Styles and Florence Pugh, which is sort of a psychological 1950s housewife starts to crack movie, which looks really interesting. And the the teaser trailer was at comic-con i think already in april um this is out of competition but i think that's going to be a big talkie (laughs) yeah oh absolutely i mean and you do when you look at the list you do sort of see okay they're going to have such and such on the red carpet and so and so is going to be there and adam driver is going to be there and you know there are definitely those movies where you know the the red carpet sort of uh, you know, gives it its slot, you know. Um, and Julianne Moore, I, head of the jury. I mean, head of the jury, absolutely. I met Julianne Moore in Cannes this year, um, uh, and she's as delightful as you would imagine she, I she was. Imagine. I was with a, a journalist who was really geeking out over her, was a real big fan, and we were at a party. And uh, he said, oh, I really want to meet Julianne Moore. And I said, well, just go up and say hello. You're, you're, I mean, you write for The Times. <laughs> and, and he was like, no, I can't. I'm too shy. So I said, OK, I'll tell you what, I'll help you. And I went up and, and I introduced him. I said, um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Miss Moore, but this is Ms. Moore, but this is uh, my friend Ed, and he's a huge fan. Uh, he said um, he they had a little conversation he was delighted she was delightful and then she turned around and said and who are you and I said I'm also a big fan uh, but I'm not as rude as he is <laughs> <laughs> and she went oh you and punched my arm so I, I, I've got I haven't washed it's still uh, the punch you'll, you'll have to do a retake counter and at the red carpet in Venice oh I'm, already, I'm not going to push me? my luck <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> But you know she's great, and she, what a pe- what a great actress! What a great uh, you know rep- uh, career that she has. I really, I think uh, she's going to really be fun. a great jury president. I think yeah. she really knows movies and she knows what she's looking for. In terms of the Absolutely. older directors, we were talking about how this feels like they're established but fresh. We do have in Oliver Stone with a documentary called Nuclear. Um, Lars von Trier is out of competition with his series. So there's a few of those names as well. Is there anything else you want to talk? I mean, there's so many things that we've just sort of scratched the surface here with the bigger ones. Paul Schrader, I forgot to mention in those. Yeah. Movies. He's Master Gardener, and he was there last year already. I'm so happy for his resurgence. <laughs> I think he's winning a prize yeah, at no. Venice as well. Yeah, I think he might be in Sarajevo as well just beforehand. I think there might be a, a he's, he's doing maybe a bit of a circuit. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, people. I'd, I'd. There's someone else I'd like to mention in the competition. Actually, he's Laura uh, Petrius, who is the who made those wonderful documentaries about Snowden and Julian Assange. And she's her, she's got a new documentary which is out about uh, the big pharma, big pharma companies. So the, the Shacklers, I think. Sacklers, yeah. 
So that looks that's another and I'm glad to see it in the in the main competition. And again, you know, there's another woman who's been doing solid work for years and years and deserves to be, you know, to step up to the to the to the plate when it comes to a big festival competition, uh, I also like uh, Rebecca Zlotowski. I really loved her Planetarium and her uh, Grand Central, which she did with Leah Sedu and Tahir Rahim Tahir, um, which were which uh, I think I've got that right. Which was uh, which was really good. So I, I just want to say I have some inside information that sure. that one Les Enfants de Autre Rebecca's movie is incredibly good. I've heard. From oh right, those, right. Yeah. And of course, the Golden Lion was a f the Golden Lion was won by a French woman last exactly. year happening with uh, there. the 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 oh so prescient happening. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, uh, absolutely amazing film, and and, and sadly, sadly, you know, all too relevant today mm -hmm. with recent abortion rollbacks in the states. Lab Diaz is someone I'm really glad is out of competition because it means I don't have to actually go and watch it. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's a. He's. Uh, I don't. No, it's not that I dislike him, but they're so long. His films are so long, and I'm just like, I. I don't like him enough to commit that amount of time to. You know, there are some filmmakers I will sit and watch five or six or seven hour films, but uh, but you have to be really. It has to be showa. You know, it has mm -hmm. to be showa level of importance. Um, Walter Hill is is uh, you know we. Paul Schrader, it's a bit of a resurgence of some of these old guys coming back and just having their the last yahoos and and that's that's gonna be really interesting to see. Um Kimki Duck is his post uh mortem film because he, he obviously died of COVID uh, a year ago. Yeah, I looked so, isn't so, familiar, but I and, and there's a wasn't there some a lot of controversy around him that he was Oh yeah, he was he was charged or... with rape. Oh, I think wow. it was gra graver than sexual harassment, even though sexual harassment obviously is bad mm -hmm. enough. But I think it was out and out rape, and and I'd heard a lot. I mean, um, I heard a lot of off the record stuff, which was uh, before any of the Me Too things happened. You know, years and years ago, I'd heard a lot of stuff that was very bad about the. Uh, How do they guy. motivate this so, entry? Yeah, well, it is that kind of. Um, I'm Venice has always taken a sort of like, what would you say, pro Polanski sort of point of view of, um, you know, uh, we, we're not. We're he not wasn't necessarily charged. The anti too, I but, mean, uh, yeah, I mean. Polanski obviously was charged, found guilty, yeah, no, I mean... so there was no real. Uh, but but yeah, I, don't, I I think it's the separating the art and the artist. And I mean, they had James Toback doing, going around being interviewed by everyone like weeks before he was exposed by revelations. So um, one sort of real film I'm excited about. Uh, that is in the outer competition section is Ty West's Pearl, which is mm. his prequel to X, which was. In, it, in itself has just come out with, uh, with this is with Mia Goff. Yeah, I saw some um, fantastic pictures of her just last night. Mm, she's superb. Yeah, she's a superb actress. She's a really odd sort of look to her. She has a really specific look, which is great. Uh, and this is her, his prequel that he shot kind of like in secret when he was shooting X, which it's the prequel of. Um, and it's X was very much a sort of horror movie which was more Texas Chainsaw Massacre than the recent sort of reboot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Certainly in terms of setting and feel, 
you know, uh, it's, it's set in the 70s. It's, new, it's shot in New Zealand, but it's New Zealand for Texas. And just really, really uh, a very funny, very interesting piece of postmodern horror. And uh, Pearl is his, yeah. Is, and what they did in, the, the, uh, in X is they had Mia Goff played the young woman who um, is in jeopardy, let's say. Mm -hmm. And she also played one of the older inhabitants of the house to which they go to make this porno. Um, and uh, and at, at the beginning, I was sort of thinking, why did they even do that? It seems like an odd choice. It's like the Tilda Swinton uh, two roles in Suspiria. And then in Pearl, she is playing now. that older character now. So it's like, ah, oh, it kind of makes sense now. It's like kind of all very, very clever. Um, so I really, yeah, that's, that's what I'm kind of looking forward to um, in a kind of midnight movies kind of way. I'm not bothered about Oliver Stone either because he's been, he's, he's been on the wrong side of quite a few arguments uh very pro putin very very weird sort of rabbit hole he's gone into some some of them tend to do that <laughs> those rabbit holes are a mystery yeah, yeah. and it, 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 he's a, he's very emblematic of that kind of left you know formerly left wing Mm -hmm. way of thinking and anti-establishment which which seems to have sided with tyrants on yes, too many clearly. occasions you know how are we going to have time to because all the movies are as you mentioned five hours long nowadays and we have to see them all <laughs> and then talk about them in that short amount of time and work somehow and somehow yeah somehow we always manage i'm not sure i know what you mean that there are just so many i mean I, we haven't even mentioned horizon horizonte horizons uh, which is the uh, which is the sort of uncertain regard of of Venice, and often there are films that pop up there. Um, it is it is a really packed. I mean, I think you could just watch all the competition and some of the out of ta out of competition, and that would make a, a brilliant festival. But the fact that there's other sidebars uh, going on off, which frequently turn bring out some really good stuff. Well, let's leave it there, John. And once we see these, um, you know, we start seeing the uh, out of competition ones in Horizonte, we'll definitely talk about them in the next episode when we have some meat on the bone for to, of those, so to speak. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing you there. Yeah, it's going to be great. We could drink a spritz. Yes, <laughs> or two. <laughs> Even a couple, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. And, I, and I'm looking forward to, as I said, eating my words. I'm sure I'm going to end up saying all of the Italian films were the best films and, uh, you know, and there'll be some disappointments that weren't quite up to what we were hoping. Exactly. But, you know, that's, a, and that's some disagreements. the rock and roll of the festival. Oh, hopefully, I... yeah. No, I love those. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Christina. Looking forward to seeing you at Venice. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way.